This is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. For 80 years, Churches of Christ have proclaimed God's Word through International Gospel Hour. You are about to listen to another Bible-based lesson with Jeff Archie of International Gospel Hour. Starting now. What assuring words by the Lord Jesus Christ when He said in Matthew 11:28 through 30 Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Oh, what a wonderful thought! The wonderful invitation of Christ to lighten our load. He tells us that we cannot lighten our load by ourselves. After all, we're the ones that got us in that condition. But when Jesus says, Come unto me, He has a plan. And how thankful we are for the invitation of Jesus Christ to mankind to come unto Him with our weary and our heavy laden, our burdens, our troubles, and to come unto Him. Thank you to our J. Webb for his kind introductions and greetings to you and yours, beloved friends. We appreciate every listener of the International Gospel Hour broadcast, whether by radio or television. We're grateful for you and for your interest in the things that be of God. And today we want to talk about the invitation of Christ as the sweetest invitation ever granted. You know, friends, an invitation is really a two-way street. It has to be offered, but it must be accepted for it to be a complete invitation and acceptance. Today we want to spend time with the parables of Christ that teach the importance of the invitation of Jesus Christ. These parables tell us the same concerning the invitation of Christ. They'll tell us that some will accept and change, and some will not accept and will not change. Some will reject the Son of God for their own personal gain. They want to have nothing to do with Jesus because they want to gain all that they can, hoping that that will take care of themselves, and it will not. Some will know to come or will not come when they know to, and some will come, and yet they will not be prepared when they come. And some individuals just simply say, I have other things to do. We will see the response from the Lord in all of these parables, and you know what he will say then will apply the same in this day and age. So we're going to look at these parables in depth, but first, we have another study absolutely free that we wish to send your way. Every study that we offer through the International Gospel Hour, any booklet, any tract, or whatever the case might be, we will offer it absolutely free. We don't want your money. We're not going to be asking you to send any type of gifts to the International Gospel Hour. We're not going to ask you to send a certain amount, and we will place you at a certain level. Everyone is at the same level here, dear friends. We're all friends. We want to learn about the Gospel of Christ. So all of our offers are absolutely free. Here is our first offer of a wonderful study about questions. Here is our J. Webb. 
Answering Questions to Christianity is another free study we offer from IGH. Are there questions you have about Christianity? Would you not love to have a biblical answer to those questions? Please call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave your name, address, and just say, Question Study. That's it. Again, call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and please leave your name, address, and just say, Question Study. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com, click on the Contact tab, and leave us the same information, name, address, and type Question Study in the message box. We trust this study will help with answers to questions you may have. Let's go back to Jeff. We begin with Matthew, the 22nd chapter, beginning with verse 1. This is the parable called the marriage of the king's son. It's 14 verses of Matthew 22, but a wonderful parable about the importance of the invitation. And Jesus answered and spake to them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son, and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted calf are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding." But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore... Go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now let's talk about this parable from Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14. As Jesus is teaching this parable, let's keep in mind the context of the culture at that time. To be invited for a marriage feast was indeed a great honor. This is a king's marriage feast. It is akin to the leader of your country, whether the President of the United States or the Prime Minister or whomever it might be, is saying, I want you to come to this wedding feast. It indeed is going to be a marriage feast, rather, that would be amazing. And it is an honor to be invited. Well, as custom, individuals were invited that you knew them personally and you knew they would accept. And it was a custom to send out two invitations. One to announce the event ahead of time and the other to tell the invited guest that it was all ready. 
Now, a good example here would go back to Esther, the fifth chapter in verse 8, and then the follow-up in chapter 6 and verse 14. The king, the king, if you will, gave one extra bidding. How gracious of this king. It's like he's planned your calendar for you. And when one failed to accept in this time, it was an insult. Now, this will help us understand verse 7, when the king became angry and sent forth his armies to destroy those cities that killed his servants. And at this point, Jesus is instructing individuals who reject God and his will. Now, think about those that God knew would accept. That would be Israel of the Old Testament. But think about how they destroyed themselves within with unfaithfulness and eventually went into captivity because they rejected the king's invitation. They rejected God. Now, imagine the next invitation. Individuals that receive the invitation in the highways and here, there, and yonder, as we say. Well, no question they would be there. I mean, can you imagine, hey, whoa, that's the king. You don't want to insult the king. We'll, we'll be there. Now, we understand this as the gospel to go to all the world. As the Jew rejected Jesus, the Jews, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all, Jesus planned through the eternal purpose of God for the gospel to go to all the world, to every individual, both Jew and Gentile. But one must be, shall we say, prepared and dressed for the occasion. So to receive the invitation, we have to adhere to the request, what is its nature? And when one is called or invited to the feast, we must dress appropriately, Spiritually speaking, as Jesus said in the parable in verse 12 of Matthew 22, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? Individuals then understood that there were certain ways to dress for certain occasions, and yet he came in without a wedding garment. Now, Jesus is using that parable to show how there are those that, again, many are called, but few are chosen. We need to be dressed appropriately, spiritually speaking. Let's think about putting on some things, specifically Christ. Listen to Romans 6, 3-6. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together, or united together, if you will, in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin." Through the subject and through the power of baptism into Christ, the old man is crucified with Christ. Dear friends, we cannot walk around as saved individuals as long as the old man of sin continues in our lives. Have you ever considered that faith alone cannot remove the old man of sin? 
nor can repentance or confession, but baptism crucifies that old man of sin he's done away. In Galatians 3.27, the Apostle Paul said, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So now we understand that we put off the old man of sin. He is crucified with Christ. So when we are raised out of the waters of baptism, when we're raised to walk in newness of life, the old man is gone and we put on Christ in baptism. Paul told the Christians in Rome in Romans 13 and 14, But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Listen to what Paul told the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 4 verses 20 through 24. He has been talking in earlier texts about how they came from a different life, how they were not to act as Gentiles that were rebellious, how they were acting, nor the Jews. In verse 20 he says, But you have not so learned Christ. This is not how you have learned Jesus. Here's how you learn Him. Verse 21, If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You put on the new man, and you take off the old man. He is crucified afresh, He is crucified with Christ, and you put on the new man. Dear friend, when one obeys the gospel of Jesus Christ, we submit to you in light of Scripture that baptism is essential for salvation. We advocate that because the Bible advocates that. When you bring in passages such as Mark 16, verse 16, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be condemned. You also bring in passages such as 1 Peter 3.21, of the like figure whereunto baptism doth now also save us. How much more clearer can that be? Dear friends, we do not debate belief. We do not debate repentance. We do not debate confession. But the one thing that will put on Jesus Christ... The one thing that takes off the old man of sin and puts on the new man of salvation is when one is baptized into Christ based upon one's faith, one's confession, and one's baptism. A lot of questions come about baptism. Individuals will say, well, what about the thief on the cross? Jesus told him, today you would be with me in paradise. Dear friends, that's a whole another study, but would you consider this with me? Would you consider that the thief on the cross was talking to Jesus and Jesus was still living? And we understand that Jesus had the power on earth to forgive sins. He forgave that woman taken in the act of adultery in John chapter 8, 1 through 11, but you never hear individuals say, was she baptized? The thief on the cross, Jesus forgave his sin, shall we say, because Jesus had the power to do that. Number two, 
We don't know that the thief wasn't baptized. Have you ever considered that? Let me ask you, my friends, what did that thief steal? And was he married? You know, I think about a beloved friend of mine, Brother Wesley Simons, who brought forth those questions. We seem to know for sure he was baptized, but we don't know that about the thief on the cross. But nevertheless, the thief could not be buried in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, as we learn in Romans 6, 3-6, through because the thief on the cross was still living, and so was Jesus, and Jesus had yet to be buried and resurrected. We cannot put our trust in the thief on the cross. He put his trust in God, and the lesson we learn is to put our trust in God and obey those commands of hearing the gospel of Christ, believing him, repenting of our sins, confessing Christ as the Son of God, and yes, to be buried with Christ in baptism for the remission of our sins, putting on that new man. We are married to Christ as husband and wife. Ephesians five twenty-two through 33 we put on the garment of the feast. Here's our second parable. From Matthew 21, verses 28 through 32, the parable of the two sons. Jesus asked, But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. Other translations say that he repented and went. Then he came to the second and said, Likewise, and he answered and said, I go, sir, but he did not go. So Jesus said, Which of the two did the will of the Father? And they said to him, The first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him, and when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. Dear friends, this is the best definition of repentance that one can find. In verse 29, when said he regretted it and went, his regret brought him to where he changed his decision, and that's repentance. In the old King James Version, it says, he answered and said, I will not, but afterward he repented and went. Not only a change of mind, but a change of direction. And in W.E. Vine's definition in his dictionary, the definition of repentance goes this way. A change of mind that involves both a turning from sin and a turning toward God. A person might stop what he's doing, but will that make him turn toward God? In accepting the invitation of Christ, it is necessary that one repents. Jesus commanded that in Luke 13, verses 3 and 5. Peter preached it in Acts 2 and verse 38. And Paul on Mars Hill commanded it in Acts 17, 30 and 31. You see, in accepting the invitation of Christ, we hear Jesus giving us an invitation to better our lives, and we need to say, I will go and then go, just like the Son. I will not. For years people turn away from Christ, will not respond to Him, but afterward, when we regret it, repentance is a change of decision that results in a change of direction. Dear friends, I know we've brought some things 
before you that would be worthy of your thought, worthy of your study. Dear friends, let us help you with that. Here is our J-Webb with our free home Bible study. Your friends at the International Gospel Hour are offering absolutely free a Bible study course by mail. You may study in the privacy of your own home at your own pace. Feel free to give it a try. Please call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave your name, address, and just say, Home Study. That's it. Again, call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and please leave your name, address, and just say, Home Study. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com, click on the Contact tab, and leave us the same information, name, address, and type Home Study in the message box. We'll send it right away. Thank you for your interest in the things of God. And now, back to Jeff. In Matthew 21, verses 33 and following, Jesus said, Hear another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a winepress in it, and built a tower, and he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the wine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Then last of all he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and season his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers, who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing. And is it marvelous in our eyes? Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Now when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. And, of course, Jesus' parable to these Pharisees instructs how that they were the ones that are rejecting Christ from the very outset. And it also reminds us in verse 43, once again, how the gospel is for all. The kingdom of God will be taken from those who will reject his invitation. And how the wicked husbandman rejected the Son the way many today reject the only begotten Son of God. There were those that disrespected Abraham, those that disrespected Moses, those that disrespected the prophets, many of them of those that would follow them. Jesus finally said, The stone that you have rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and that text always parallels to Jesus Christ as the true foundation. The last parable is one that we did on one of our brief broadcasts, and that's from Luke fourteen fifteen through 24 the parable of the Great Supper. And Jesus uses that parable to teach how salvation is a great supper, or shall we say a great supper, rather. There are those that allow suffering and other things to take their place. 
They will allow the problems of life or possessions, work, and family to take priority, and they will lose the opportunity of everything that will be provided for them. You know, after all, in that parable of the Great Supper, it is amazing how in verse 18 that a realtor would buy property ahead without looking at it. And verse 19, why a cattleman would buy something to see if it would work. Five yoke of oxen, and that's kind of like buying a car without even giving it a try. In verse 20, the last one, the husband that said, I just got married and can't come, he was putting a human relationship over a heavenly one. And plus, in that time and age, it was an unheard of thing to invite a man to a wedding feast and not invite his wife. They both were invited. He just did not want to accept the invitation. How tragic it is to reject the supper of salvation, the invitation of Christ. Let's conclude this thought in a moment. But first, once again, our J-Web with some information about our free International Gospel Hour app for your smartphone. The International Gospel Hour app is available for your iPhone or Android. Go to the App Store for iPhones and Google Play for your Android. Search International Gospel Hour and download our app absolutely free. You can have access to our website, social media, podcasts, our YouTube channel, and other resources, all by the touch of your finger in the palm of your hand. Please download the International Gospel Hour app today. The Parables of the Invitation Be dressed properly in Christ with the new man. And we put on that new man at baptism. Change in accepting the invitation. That teaches us about repentance. Be certain to accept the Son and His commands of hearing the gospel, believing in Him, repenting of our sins, confessing Christ, and to be buried with Him in baptism, to be added to His church, and to walk faithful and never, ever decline the great supper of salvation. What a joy to study these parables of the invitation today. Please accept the invitation of Christ, and let's continue our studies together another time. Thanks for joining me today here on the International Gospel Hour. I'm Jeff Archie, and dear friends, keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We hope, first, that it glorified God. But second, we hope that it edified you. Listen to it again if you need to, or to other lessons in this series by going to the Media tab at our site, internationalgospelhour.com. Glory.